Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. If, if I was in trouble or my brother was in trouble, we always, the first thing that would come out of our mouth, I don't know if y'all did this too, but, but he did it too or she did it too. And, and it was kind of like you didn't want to own your struggle. You didn't want to own your sin. You didn't want to own the things that you, you always wanted to kind of finger point and kind of like, oh, well, but look, but, you know, it's not just me. And, and, and I think that, that if we're not careful, we, we understand that we're really good in today's times at making excuses. You know, I, I, I'm not, here's one. I'm just going to be really transparent with you. This is a funny thing, so y'all don't get sad for Paul. But, but in my past, I've just really, and, and I've had things where I hadn't been really good with finances, you know. You know, it's, uh, it's not fun watching a man come get your truck when you got a baby. And, 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 but you'll make excuses to the repo man. And everybody's like, oh, Lord, I can't listen to him. He's done had things repossessed before. I've had a lot of seminary. (laughs) I've had a lot of mistakes that God has taught me how to do things now through his word. But but the man be taking my stuff, and I'm still making excuses as he's driving my car out of my yard. But you don't understand. But as I learned God's word, God said, well, what you, you didn't understand is that you gave your word on something, and you didn't follow through on it. But we're, 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 we're quick to say things and to respond in ways that takes the finger off of us when we need to change. And that's humanity. That's, that's the sin nature in us. So I want to pray. I want to pray right now for every person in this room to, to be attentive to the Spirit of God because God is about to speak in this room. And if, if He lets us get what His Word says in Malachi today, I am telling you it will change our lives some more than others but i think there's something in this word for every one of us to hear and grow and learn from today so can we pray together lord we ask that you come to us today holy spirit fill this room up fill our hearts up take away the distractions from our eyes and our minds and our hands lord god that we may give you the best of us for the next 30 or 40 minutes Lord, we need you. We need you to grab us because we can't do that in ourselves. We can get very easily distracted, Father, and we ask that you would grow us and guide us through that. So, Lord, if there's anything that is about to be spoken in the next few minutes from me that is not from you, find my tongue. But, Lord, what is from you, Lord, loose my tongue, that it would speak boldly truth that you have given us through your word. Thank you, Father God, for this time together, time with you, Lord. We love you, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, so I wanted to kind of get it clearly and just talk about this message because it'll help you if I kind of lay it out a little bit. Um, so who is this message directed towards? It is directed towards the descendants of Jacob. These were the Israelites. These were the people that God said that he was going to bless and multiply. But there's many different characters in this particular piece of scripture. So I thought it might be good if I was um, would lay it out a little bit so that when I'm talking about something, you wouldn't get confused. So let's break it down, the characters and the purpose of Malachi. So the Lord is given instructions and rebuke through Malachi. 
Malachi, do y'all remember I said this four or five weeks ago? Malachi, which means my messenger. Malachi means my messenger. He's a prophet. He's a minor prophet. He's one, one of the last prophets. He's, he's, he is sent, being sent. A lot of people don't even know who Malachi was. They don't even know if that was his real name. They just didn't know if that was just a thing that was, was placed on this person speaking because it means my messenger. So you have the descendants of Jacob, the Israelites, which are God's chosen people. But you're also going to hear about Esau, the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, who lived lives that were in total conflict of God. Now, we'll kind of get into a little bit how that come about, but that's not what we're trying to, to break down and learn through this message. Then you're going to hear a word called the Levites. The Levites, who were Jewish people that were from the tribe of Levi that carried out various religious duties. So when you hear Levites, you're going to hear about people who worked in the temple, who, who watched over things, who were working over the music ministry and all the things and watching over the sacrifices. So the Levites were people that were chosen to watch over that. And even in context, you'll hear it, but it'll kind of, as we read through this, it'll kind of, you'll say, well, was that Levites that he was speaking to in Malachi, but he will reference the Levites. And I wanted you to hear and understand that. The two points that we're going to make out of Malachi 1 is the Lord's love for Israel and unworthy sacrifices. So if y'all are ready, let's read. Try your best. If you want to, we can, you can come to Malachi 1 with me and you can read it with me because it's a little bit of reading, but it's not too terribly bad. And, and I promise you it won't be as painful as you think. So Malachi 1, starting in verse 2, and we're going to read all the way to the end. That's 14. It says, "Two, I've always loved you, says the Lord. But you retort, really? How have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated his hill country. I turned Esau's inheritance into a desert for jackals. Esau's descendants in Edom may say, we have been shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. But the Lord of heaven's armies replies, they may try to rebuild, but I will demolish them again. Their country will be known as the land of wickedness, and their people will be called the people with whom the Lord is, is forever angry. Verse 5, it says, When you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say, Truly the Lord's greatness reaches far beyond Israel's borders. The Lord of heaven's army says to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals a sacrifice, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all, asked the Lord of heaven's armies. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And I will not accept your offerings. 
But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You're saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my command, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should, should I accept from you such offerings as these, asked the Lord. Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I'm a great king, says the Lord of heaven's army, and my name is feared among the nations. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Kind of sounds like our nation, doesn't it? This is to the Jews. This is to the Israelites. But as I was reading this, I said, oh, woe is us. Oh, woe is us. See, the Israelites were either blinded or just didn't care. That's the two conclusions that we have to come to. They, they either was like, I don't really care, or they just couldn't see. And, and, I, and I truly believe that sometimes our eyes are blinded to things, and we just can't see what we're doing. But then there's other times that I know that what I'm doing is not for the Lord, and I continue to do it anyway because it benefits me. Um, so I'm maybe thinking that's where the Israelites were as well. They had become great at questioning Authority. I want you to let that think in, think in, sink in just a little bit. They had become great at questioning authority. And when we become really good at questioning authority, not far after that is when we're going to get good at giving God our leftovers. They'd come great at a question of authority, and, and, and they were bringing the leftovers or seconds to God. So even today, if we're honest, are we giving ourselves the best? Are we giving God the best that we have? Are we giving God just what's left over? Is, you know, and I was searching my heart as we were doing this. Is, is God, is he behind Facebook and I'm more excited to see the happenings of the world and the, or the next fist fight or the things that are happening on Facebook and then God's getting my leftovers after that. And it was really a convicting message to me because God wants the first. He, want, he wants the first of everything that we have because he has given it to us. And that's what has happened here. That these, these men and women were taking sacrifices and they were keeping for themselves the best and they were taking to the altar what was already crippled and lame and, and can't we make excuses like that I can see you know if, if we're still in that old testament times where we had to take and get atonement for our sins through a sacrifice and I have two rams there and one of them's kind of doing this through the through the field and kind of got looking at me like that a little bit like you going to the altar <laughs> you know, I got to clean up my gene pool right here for when the next sheep come, you know. And you got old cross-eyed over there. The horn didn't grow just right, you know, kind of like a scraggly deer. Oh, boy. And that mug's sitting there trying to do to himself up a little bit because he knows, boy, I know my owner's heart. And he's going to get me unless I look better than Bill over here. And 
But that's the people. They were taking the defiled sacrifices. They were, they were even stealing things to go and take to the Lord. Their hearts were messed up. They had forgotten who their Lord was. So let's read on Malachi 2, 1 through 17. And then that will be the most of the stuff that we have to read. And then we will work through it and talk through it. So Malachi 2. If you don't read Malachi 2, but you've read Malachi 1, I don't think you truly get a full understanding of what was going on. So look, we're going to read through this. It says, listen, you priest, this command is for you. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces in the manure from your festival sacrifices. And I will throw you on the manure pile. What a strict piece of word from the Lord to the priest and the ones that's teaching God's people. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I do not want to be thrown poo-poo in my face and thrown up in the pile of poo-poo. But that's what he's saying. I will throw you on the manure pile. Then at last you will know it was I who sent you this warning so that my covenant with the Levites can continue, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The purpose of my covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace. And that is what I gave them, life and peace. Think about that, life and peace. Everybody say life and peace. Life and peace, amen? Life and peace. This required reverence from them, and they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. They passed on to the people the truth of the instructions they received from me. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me, living good and righteous lives, and they turned many from lives of sin. The words of a priest's lips should preserve knowledge of God. And people should go to him for instruction. For the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's army. But you, priest, have left God's paths. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. You have corrupted the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord of heaven's army. So I have made you despised and humiliated in the eyes of all the people. For you have not obeyed me, but have shown favoritism in the way you carry out my instructions. Are we not all children of the same Father? Are we not all created by the same God? Then why do we betray each other, violating the covenant of our ancestors? Judah has been unfaithful, and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. May the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every last man who has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's armies. Here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I tell you why, because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife in body and spirit? You're his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. 
to divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? You have wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight. He is pleased with them. You have wearied him by asking, where is the God of justice? Man, again, to the leaders of the church, if the leaders can't get it right, how do we expect the saints to follow suit? And this is, this is a time in, our, in the 21st century where I believe that the church is in a time of, of, of separating the chafe from the wheat, that, that, that the word of the Lord cannot be compromised anymore, that we can't twist it and bend it to make it fit our needs and our wants and our desires because the word of the Lord is true. So God was calling out the ones responsible for teaching his word and reminding them that his commands were there to bring forth Life and peace. What a weight on my shoulders as I was reading this. As I was doing a self-evaluation of my heart. And there's good news. His people, especially the teachers of his ways, were to stay true to their past promises. God uses the example of marriage in this passage. And I'm thinking of all the past things. And about that time, the Holy Spirit hits me and says, yeah, but you've been made, renew- you've been made new, Paul. I purchased you. Jesus purchased you. I've sealed you. And in verse 17, it really jumped out at me that we stop questioning God. Every accusation was followed up with, how were we? How? God was pointing out to them, this is what, well, how are we doing that? They're, they were blinded or they didn't either care. See, this rebellious sin nature goes back way before the time of Malachi or even Jacob and Esau. There's a piece of scripture in Genesis chapter 4, 6, and 7. I want to read it to you. Genesis 4, 6, and 7. You can write it down if you want to go back and read the entire story because I want you to get the context of it. So this is, why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it. And be its master. See we know that by history. That Cain. Killed his brother Abel. And Cain was dejected and mad. Because he was taking an offering to the Lord. And his heart wasn't in it. He was offering something before the Lord. And he was doing it begrudgingly. And he was offering something to the Lord. That wasn't even his best. And God was letting him know that this is not good care what you bring before me, but do it with a pure heart. Do it with, with joy. Know that you're coming before me, and I am God and God alone. And Cain ends up um, killing Abel. And see, in the descendants of Cain was Ishmael. Y'all know the story of Ishmael, right? And Ishmael was born out of what? Not trusting God. 
We're going to take it and do it on our own. We're going to take and make this plan work for us. And then, lo and behold, here comes Ishmael. And what happens out of Ishmael becomes Esau. Sin is generational. And only the Spirit of God can break that generational curse. Listen to what the Lord says in Micah 6, 3. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? And then he says, answer me. Answer me. See, our creator wants one thing. Our creator wants an unstained, undefiled relationship with you and I. Our creator sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. So that you and I can have a relationship with him. Hmm. See we have affairs with the world. Y'all listen to me. I know it's getting sleepy a little bit. We make the world our mistress. And then we want to come back to our groom, Jesus. See, it says that in the scriptures that we are his bride and he is our groom. That's the context of marriage, talking about how the marriage relationship should be. But we're cheating. We're going out and we're, and we're committing adultery. Just because we have a get out of hell free card doesn't mean that we need to use it every day. That we're to live our lives to honor God and to revere him and to wage war against the sin that is inside of our bodies. And that we are to offer up God the first of everything that we have, not the last or what's left over. Hmm. Are we giving the Lord our first and best or are we giving him what's left over? And it led me to this. Why does this seem to be so difficult to give God the first and the best? Because I'm wrestling over this. I want to, but I seem to always sometimes mess it up a little bit. I want to. I really do. And I believe you all want to, but we tend to kind of mess it up a little bit. And the solution to this ancient problem is Jesus. We have to connect with Jesus. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 11. I would really urge you to write this scripture passage down. Put it in your phone. Pray over it. Text it. Write it on your walls. Write it on your forearm. Put it on your leg. Tattoo it on your forehead. Because this is a foundational scripture that will give you peace when you don't think you deserve it. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 30. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So the yoke... If you think about oxen that were yoked together, they would pull and they would plow. And, and if you were, that's what it talks about to be unequally yoked. That if you had one strong oxen and one weak oxen, that the, the weak oxen would always never be able to pull its load. And, and, the, and the stronger oxen would either be pulling crooked or the plow would go off or it would wear down and it wouldn't be beneficial. But Jesus is saying, 
Come to me if you're weak and be yoked with me. Be equally connected with me. You abide in me and I abide in you as I abide in my Father and He abides in me. If you're equally yoked, then all of a sudden all these troubles and all these trials and all these struggles and all of these thoughts and all of the stuff that's going on with you, I have taken care of them on the cross. And he says, let me teach you. There is so much to follow in Jesus and how we handle our finances and how we handle our relationship and how we love our neighbors and how we forgive one another. Jesus says, I have all these things to teach you, but you're not going to pray one prayer and you're not going to turn around and present yourself to the congregation and think that you know them all. You've got to be connected with me. And then over time, there's a word called sanctification. You will learn to have a new heart that I have given you. You just don't know how to drive it and use it yet. You've been justified by the blood of God, of Christ, but you've been um, sanctified by the Spirit of God. So as we learn to walk with Christ because we're yoked with him, then he teaches us. And, and why can't he do that? Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Are you sitting here today in your souls and you're not resting? And you're trying so hard to find it in everything in this world. Jesus has given you the answer here. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. He's basically saying, I got it. You just hold on to me. I'm fixing to take this row out. I'm fixing to take this problem out. I'm fixing to work on this marriage. I'm fixing to work on your finances. I'm fixing to work on the relationship between you and your children. You can't do it. You just get yoked to me and watch what I can do. But you have to trust me because if you continue to pull against me, remember, we are yoked together and I will let you pull and I will let you get so tired that you will quit pulling and then it will let me pull again. So are we yoking ourselves to the world or are we yoking ourselves to Jesus? Matthew Henry said this, those that work, excuse me, those that walk contrary to God will find that he will walk contrary to them. For whoever hardened his heart against God and prospered. That the follower of Jesus Christ, we will certainly still face many trials. But having faith to know that our stability and our sustainability comes through him. So stability and sustainability come through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. In Psalms 34, 19, it says, The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Amen. Praise God that we have a Lord that comes every time, each time. His timing's perfect. Again, Matthew Henry says this, God, who is the best, ought to be served with the best we have. Everything that I walk into this morning, chairs out, tables out, I caught myself while I was getting myself like working. I started working. I started moving. The, the worship team could probably see me and just getting busy. And God caught me and he said, hey, son, I've called you to do something today. Slow your spirit down. See, because really and honestly, truthfully, we could stand in my driveway in this yard 
in that patch of woods, over in that neighbor's yard, and this word doesn't change. Only our surroundings change. And we tend to think that we have to judge God's word by our surroundings. So, here's a few action steps and then we're finished. Everybody okay? Okay. Action steps. Stop making excuses. We got to stop pointing at our brother and our sister every time something in our life's not right. If you don't feel like you're happy with where you're at with the Lord through Jesus Christ and what's going on in your life, that's up to you and God to work on that. That's tough to say. But it's biblical. Now what the, our job and your job is with me is to love me and to walk with me through that process. But I can't make you the answer to why I'm having problems. If I'm having a hard time in my marriage, you're not the reason my marriage is going wrong. If I'm having a hard time with paying my bills, you're not the reason I'm having a hard time paying my bills. If I'm having a hard time forgiving, you're not the reason I'm having a hard time forgiving. I have to put my eyes back on who I am and go before the Lord on my knees and ask him to work in me to do something that will draw me closer to him. Stop making excuses. Secondly, own your own inadequacy. There's just going to be things that you're not very adequate at doing. It's okay to be bad at some things. It's okay to have struggles. And actually, it's great when you have a struggle. It's a picture of something that you can start trusting the Lord in. Own your inadequacy. Stop trying to hide it under a bush. I have no shame with telling people I had a car repossessed. That's not who I was. You know what happens? If I make a mistake and it happens again in 10 years, it still ain't who I am. It just means I made a bad decision or I fell or I stumbled. So if you've got sin in your life and you're trying to make your identity your sin, stop. Jesus paid for that at the cross. You are royalty. You have a crown on your head. You have been placed in a place where Satan can no longer touch you. And you are very special to God. Third thing, an action step. Give God the first and the best of yourself. Actually, I wrote ourselves because I was very inclusive in that. Give God the first and the best of ourselves. Next, study and apply the word of God. If you are walking with the Lord, not only read it, you know, in martial arts, I taught it for many years. And, and I remember if, when I was going through the, the, the motions in practice, Joe, we would always kick and we'd snap it. It would just do that. I went to a tournament down in Georgia, and I snap kicked a guy in the chest like that. It was 6'4", and he roundhouse kicked me, and I woke up 10 minutes later. <laughs> I was not applying what I had been taught. I was just going through the motions. I had practiced so much in pulling punches that in a tournament when it was real, 
I pulled punches, and he took advantage of it. That's the same way that I, the enemy of this world works. You're, you're reading these things. You're practicing these things. You're studying, but you're not taking that next step to trust God in these things. You're not following through with the kick or pushing forward to know that God has your back. You're getting scared, and you're pulling back, and you're just snapping it, and you'll get knocked out. Walked out there with a broken, this finger got broke somehow. I didn't even know how it got broke. Carrying a trophy. <laughs> Sideways. But I'm telling you, 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 we've got to study the word and apply the word. Not just study the word. You've got to study it and apply it. Next is repent and believe. Repent and believe. That we have to turn from this world. We've got to stop having affairs with the world. And we've got to turn from it and put our eyes back on God. And we've got to believe that God is more than enough through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. That, that even if we don't understand it, even if we don't know how we're going to get through it, even if we're in the middle of the Red Sea like Richard says, God didn't say he's going to take you at the Red Sea. He said, I will split the Red Sea and you will walk through it. We have to get to that level of belief in order to be able to conquer and walk through some of our trials. You've got to repent and you've got to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. You've got to believe that he is your Savior and that his blood did sanctify you and justify you and to make you new again. Believe it. And the last one is that believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior and his plan for you is better than your plan for you. I struggle with that. I'd be having them talks with God like they had here in Malachi. When did you say that? When did you say that? You ain't said that. God's like, okay. Be a knucklehead a little bit longer. But we have to get to the point where we believe that God does have a plan and a purpose to prosper. There's so much more to Jeremiah 29, 11. If you got that written on your mirror at home, wonderful. But I would really ask you to probably put 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. Because when he searches for me with his own heart, when he searches for me with everything he has, when he gives over everything in his life to me, I will prosper him and I will push him forward and I will lift him up. It's not just when I said a prayer. We can't take that verse and just take it out of context. Because the Lord does know he had the plans he has for you to prosper you, to make you numerous. But it's when we search for him. So our messenger is the Holy Spirit, and he will put a Malachi in your life when needed. The question is, will we listen or will we make excuses? Oh, how wretched of a man I am when God's putting Malachi's in my life and I'm just pushing them to the left and to the right. Man, I've told people to go sweep their own porches. I've, I've ran away from men who had the best intentions for Paul Crosby and, and his marriage and his finances. But because of my pride, I, I just pushed them out of the way. And God's putting Malachi's messengers in my life through the Holy Spirit. And I'm not listening to them. And I'm mad at them. And I'm walking away from them. Please learn from me. Don't be that person. But if you are, God still has a purpose and a plan. He's going to grow you, but it's just going to be a longer and harder journey. I'm just crying out to you because I know that Jesus has a beautiful plan for you. And you and you alone have the ability to grow and to deepen that and to see that. Amen? Through the Spirit of God. How wonderful it is to have a church that loves each other so that we can speak truth and life into each other. Amen?